That was a Texas story, if I have ever heard one, from Ian Fitzsimmons. Amber Wilson with you as well. Find him at Ian Fitz ESPN. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. Amber and Ian is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. NFL action comes our way tomorrow night, 8.15 p.m. The Minnesota Vikings taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Some interesting week ones. From these teams, the Eagles ended up pulling one out over the Patriots, but it wasn't the Eagles team that we're accustomed to, certainly not the team that we saw in the Super Bowl. Let's bring in some help with all things Philadelphia. 97.5's The Fanatics, Anthony Gargano joining us here on Amber and Ian. And Anthony, thanks so much for joining us. We're going to start with a conversation, though, that we've been having throughout this show, because Aaron Rodgers, he put up a post on the gram. He did the thing. He thanked everybody for reaching out. He said something philosophical at the end, very Aaron Rodgers-y. But here's the deal. He used like six or seven emojis in this post, which is a running three theme if you go through Aaron Rodgers' Instagram. What are your thoughts? How many emojis are the appropriate emoji use on the gram, Anthony Gargano? So I say, I say two, three max. But I'm guilty, Amber, especially like if I might go overboard. Somebody's nice to me. I might just go six hearts. You know, I, might, I sometimes I get a little crazy, too. And you never know. God forbid the muscle emoji. I go goofy with that. I, I did pull up your Instagram, <laughs> Anthony, and I did notice <laughs> you tend to be a bit of an emoji man. <laughs> Anthony. It's a weakness, especially the heart, man. You know what I'm saying, no, I don't. One, I'm not on. Oh, I am on the gram. My daughters put me out there. They run. I, I, I yeah. So I didn't even know I had an account. First of all, second, I mean, dude, give me your wallet. Man card revoked. I mean, if you're going the, like like seven hearts, I mean, what's wrong with you? Anthony Gargano and Aaron Rodgers. Like your story about being in Lubbock with the smell of beer and Chanel. Are you kidding me? That's not heart worthy. I mean, if anything, if anything was hardworthy, it would be that. Let me tell you something, man. If you got, if you, if you're ever in Lubbock for a college football game, go to Kegel's Steak and Barbecue and get in a three point stance and get ready to fire off because you're gonna have the meat sweats. You got me excited. I was like, I can't. In another life, I was a national reporter for the New York Post, and I would do a lot of college football, and I loved, loved going to those college towns. And although that food is the greatest, man, you want to talk about home style, like good for the soul food. That's what that food is. Is it worth the heart emoji? My answer would be <laughs> no, but I'll tell you this much. It's worth about a roll of Tums afterward because when it, it, it'll drop a donkey. I mean, it was, it was so good. The Fanatics' Anthony Gargano joining us here on Amber and Ian. You can hear him on 97.5. Uh, so here, Anthony, we were talking about on the way in, the Philadelphia Eagles, they get the dub in week one, but they didn't exactly look like the Eagles that we saw in the Super Super Bowl. Do you have concerns coming off of week one with this team? Nah, Amber, you know, you know, here's the thing. They didn't play at all in the preseason. So all their or the, the scrimmages is where they got all their work in, their offense. And Jalen did not play as well as he was not in rhythm. And I think it's more a couple things. One, Belichick's got six months to look at you and prepare for you. It's a rainy field. They have a good defense and you didn't play at all in any preseason games, I expect a little rust. 
So I, I don't think it's the only concerning, mildly concerning thing is they ran a lot of game well. They didn't use DeAndre Swift. He got one carry, two targets. I thought you'd get more of that. And they got nothing. They didn't go Dallas Goddard's way but one time, and, and that was only one target, did not catch a pass. So I, I think, again, you have a new offensive coordinator in Brian Johnson. So I think he's good. it's going to take a little bit for him to get everything in rhythm, his play calling, Jalen's got to get rolling. But they got weapons. So I, I expect a little better performance against Minnesota in that defense tomorrow night. A name in Philadelphia, it's more like a four-letter word, but Bill Parcells used to refer to games like this as coachable wins, where you got the win, but you can absolutely unload on your guys and show them how bad they are, even though you got the W. Would you describe this as a coachable win for the Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah, definitely. And I would not use the heart emoji to Parcells. He (laughs) screamed at me many times when I was a reporter. Uh no, I, I think it was a, definitely a coachable win, but, you know, again, I, I think, look, I was a little concerned. And again, it's mild stuff. I, I think it's more you have two new coordinators. Uh, I, I think you've got to work through this stuff. I think early on, uh, especially with kind of how Sirianni's attacking the preseason, and, oh, by the way, he said that he may rethink what he does and how he plans you with usage in the preseason. So he, he talked about that. I, I think you're right. I think it's partly the players, but i got to tell you, I think it's more on the coaching staff. I think like they, and they're working through stuff too. Anthony Gargano joining us here on Amber and Ann. You can hear him on 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia. Anthony, I had the audacity to say on first take that I thought the Philadelphia Eagles might take a little bit of a step back this season and maybe the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, you heard because everybody in Philly heard heard because the. Because the Philly blogs ran with it. Everyone went absolutely nuts with me in Philadelphia. And I don't think I'm ever allowed to come near your city ever again. That's how Eagles fans roll. I understand that. Uh, After week one, I I look a little bit like a genius there, Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) You got a long way to go, Amber. A long way to go. Uh, Listen, I like the Cowboys defense. I don't know about Dak in the West Coast. And it's one thing when, you know, your defense scores two touchdowns, right, to start the, to start the season against Daniel Jones. The one thing I think we can agree on is that all this Giants love, I don't, I don't see it. I, I, I didn't see it going into it. Uh, I never really got Daniel Jones. Uh, I get he's a good athlete. I, I thought that run last year was a lot to do with the schedule. And, you know, again, they beat Minnesota in the playoffs. And that Minnesota's defense is not good. It was it was terrible last year. It's not a good this year. And uh, I think that made the Giants look better. And I think the Cowboys looked a lot better because they were playing the Giants Sunday night. <laughs> hey, Gargano, the short week, I, I hate it. I can't stand it. Uh, it it's yeah. not a good product of football, and it, it damn sure is not safe for players. So, and I think the, the one of the worst spots is week one on a short week. So, what what are the coaches oh, yeah. that you've talked to? What have they said about you know Minnesota traveling? But you guys were on the road last week, right? So you had to travel back. Also, yeah. describe the short week and, and what coaches have told you about this Thursday night matchup tomorrow uh, night. Now you're right. You're spot on, man. They hate it, and I don't blame them. Listen, 
it throws everything out of rhythm. And you know what it's like because, especially week one, you you haven't built up enough calluses, right? Yep. So you're spot on, Ian, when you talk about early – the early Thursday nights are worse because you haven't built up enough calluses, and that's an issue. And now you got – you went up and you played a physical New England team. Remember, that defense is good. So you played a physical New England team. You got to come back, short week. You got to turn everything around. Now, I do know that, you know, when you have a week two Thursday night game, your game plan's already in. So you've been working on that stuff going into it. So they did a lot of, they did a lot of Minnesota stuff, you know, prior to the season because you know you got two, two games in that short period of time. But it does. It wreaks havoc on players, man. And early on, it, it's going to be sloppy tomorrow night. I, you could say it. You could be sloppy on Sunday, and I think it'll be sloppy again tomorrow night. You can hear Anthony Gargano on 97.5, the fanatic in Philadelphia. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, thanks, guys. Heart emojis all bound. All right, that's special <laughs> oh, for you, Ian. <laughs> Coming up next here on Amber and Ian. How right was I about the Dallas Cowboys? Well, we're going to discuss that further because there's nothing I like more than being right. Amber and Ian is on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. I know a girl who once said on national television, just a matter of weeks ago, that the Dallas Cowboys are going to be better than the Philadelphia Eagles this season. And it was the craziest take anyone's ever had. (laughs) And like the entire nation came after me because it's insane to choose the team that finished second in the division, also with double digit wins last season over the team that lost seven starters in both of its coordinators as we headed into this season. Amber and Ian's presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. I'm not doing a victory lap after week one, but... If the season ended after week one, I would look like a genius. We will talk about if the Dallas Cowboys, though, are actually as good as they looked in week one. Before I get to that, Ian has some betting advice. Bet till your hands bleed. Rare we do this on a Wednesday, but I'm on with Freddie Coleman tomorrow in for Harry Douglas and then traveling on Friday to go see your Gators, Tennessee at Florida. Go Gator. 
Coming up on ESPN with Herbie Fowler and the boy and, uh, and Holly Rowe and then Kelly Stoffer, Kesty and I on, on radio. Tune on in. It should be a dandy down there in the swamp. Uh, but we have college picks coming up in a bit. So on a rare Wednesday with Bet to Your Hands Bleed, you're not going to like this one. Give me New England plus the three against the mighty Miami Dolphins. Everyone's singing the Dolphins' praises, a record-setting offense, and everything else. And here's old New England just stinking it up, losing Week One. Mac Jones, you know, just how he's awful. I'm only a three-point home home dog. Yeah, everyone's going to be on Miami. I'm a contrarian. Give me New England plus the points. Bet to your hands bleed. Jones throws it out to the left. Fumble recovered in the air at the twenty. Run into the. By Duran Bland. A lot of good things tonight to build off of. It's your first division win, your first road win, and all those are important because it's important to get that first one under your belt. Not a fan of your betting advice, but let's see <laughs> if I'm more of a fan of your analysis here of the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys absolutely worked the New York Giants, as you just heard in week one. 40 to nothing. 40 to nothing. It was like the Giants didn't even show up. We had Brandon Jacobs on with us, the two-time Super Bowl champ, earlier in the show. And and he said that he's not even sure the Dallas Cowboys were out there playing anybody. And that's what it looked like. And he's talking, of course, about his former team. If you missed that, you can always check out the podcast on the ESPN app. Is Dallas really this good, Ian? Because even me, who chose Dallas very famously a few weeks ago here to win this division, even I was like, okay, that's that's not quite what I expected, though. That's a, that's a little bit more than I was even hoping for. Uh, that's an outlier. I mean, and, and it's week one. You also yeah. heard Brandon Jacobs talking about how, you, you know, this is now week one for a lot of teams is what preseason game number three used to be when we had four preseason games, that final tune-up. Because a lot of guys don't play in the preseason. Look, look at the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, we just talked to Anthony Gargano from uh, the Fanatic in, in Philadelphia, and, and Nick Sirianno's already talking about how he may have to change things up next season because they look so rusty. In week one, look, the Browns were 1-0 last year. The Bears were 1-0 last year. The Niners were 0-1 last year. The Bengals were 0-1 last year. You know, we really, I don't, what do we really know after week one? So I don't think the Cowboys are that good. I don't think the Giants are that bad. I think it's somewhere in the middle. That Week one to me, I almost throw everything out now, Amber, because of the lack of participation, not just in the preseason, but also in camp. These dudes aren't calloused and ready to go really till week three, week four, meaning getting their bodies in NFL shape for all the contact and the recovery. So I'm looking at week one, and I think it's an outlier. I think the Cowboys are better. You are right. I think they, they are much better than last year. They have, they've got leaders at every single level defensively. They've got leaders at every single level offensively, and I consider Dak one of those guys. I'm, I'm a Dak guy. I, I don't a lot of people want to hike their leg on Dak, but – like a dog on a fire hydrant, but I'm not one of them. I think the Cowboys are improved, you know, and I like Mike McCarthy saying, if I'm, if I'm going out, I'm going out with my boots on and I'm calling plays, but I don't think they're 40 to nothing that much better than the Giants. And I don't think the Giants are 40 to nothing that much far, far away 
from the rest of that division and the Cowboys. My analysis wasn't even how improved the Cowboys are going to be this season. Frankly, the Cowboys were already good, obviously, last yeah. season. It's the Dallas Cowboys. So we tend to knit and pick and degrade a team with double-digit wins, a team that does finish second in the division. It's what we do when you've got the star on the helmet. And I think we all You're were right. forgetting, hey, like that is a solid Dallas team. We've been watching a good Dallas team. Yes, they have Super Bowl expectations, and they haven't been able to meet those expectations. And so sometimes we take that gap that between the expectation and the reality of where they finish. And I think we widen it even more than what actually existed there on the field. It was a good team last season in Dallas. Dan Quinn and what you saw from that defense, that's a reality to me. Now, I don't think the Giants, like you said, it's week one. Fine. The Giants surprised me being as bad as the Giants looked. And yes, Dallas looked perfect, and they're not going to be able to replicate that each and every week. We know all of that. But Dan Quinn in that defense was just licking its chops against that Giants offense. They got the pressure on Daniel Jones consistently. Of course, Daniel Jones can't play the game when he's spending it on his back and that Dallas defense is every bit as good as they should be Ian like they looked like the team that they should be when you look at the roster and when I was having the argument about the Eagles I was saying hey it's not so much that Dallas is going to take this massive step forward it's that Dallas already had a rock solid defense look at the names that we're talking about on that defense and the Eagles are losing five starters on defense and their coordinator because oh by the way that coordinator was good and got a head coaching job same with the offensive coordinator for the Eagles as well. So it was more that I thought the Eagles were going to move and not necessarily this huge leap by Dallas. It looked like a huge leap by Dallas in week one. I'm not willing to go there, but that defense to me, what they did, I mean, the names on it, the the pieces, like they played like they should play. That Dallas defense should be great. And 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 boy, did I mean, look, Zach Wilson this week. <laughs> seven sacks. Look great seven. Hey, that number, Jets coming to Dallas. Yeah. Went from Dallas in the preseason in, in a future wager. I just went and looked it up, Amber. Dallas was a three-point favorite. Mm-hmm. Basically giving home field, right? Right. Worth two and a half to three points depending on the venue. They are now a nine to nine and a half point favorite depending on what shop you're looking Ooh-y. at. A touchdown difference. That is about as big of a, of a jump as you'll see in, early in an NFL season, week one, week two, week three. And it's obviously because of Aaron Rodgers. But that was that, I mean, that from three to nine, nine and a half, I mean, damn. For a team that, coming off a win, by the way, the Jets yeah, won. Right. <laughs> like they're one and oh. And, and to, to Dallas' defense like against New York, I mean, it was, this was one where you're going, you know, like Micah Parsons is going, hey, uh, hey, Vander Esch, Wolf Hunter, you don't have a sack yet? You want one? Right. I mean, Lawrence is looking at Curse like, hey, man, you're, you're captain back there in the safety spot. You want a safety blitz? Get, get you one? You want some of this? It's like they were sharing dessert out there I, I, after a great meal going, did you get a piece of this pie? You want some? Because it's really tasty. That's what it felt like with the Dallas Cowboys and seven sacks on Daniel Jones. It was it was a joke how easy it looked for that D-line. Micah Parsons, the Cowboys linebacker, was on the edge with Micah Parsons' podcast, and he says that the Giants did their quarterback dirty. I do not agree with Daniel Jones staying out there into that last drive. That was wrong, deceiving. That's your franchise quarterback, and he's out there with the backup offensive line still getting sacked and hit. I, I just didn't understand. Maybe it was a you know proven moment by the Giants. I have no idea. A learning lesson. Who knows? But I thought Daniel Jones should have got pulled out. 
I agree with Micah because there shouldn't be a prove it moment for the guy that you just handed the bag to. Daniel Jones had his prove it moment. It was last season. You've paid him now. Now he's your franchise quarterback moving forward. There ain't proving it anymore. Take him out of the game. Protect your guy. I completely agree with you. And I agree with um, with Micah. I don't know what Brian Dable was doing. I mean, maybe it was a brain fart. I don't know. I, 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 I don't have an answer for it. To leave Daniel Jones out there against that onslaught with backups made absolute, and I don't think the whole O line was was subbed out, but still, you know, I just just I don't care if you had all the starters in, you're still pulling Daniel Jones. Right. There's no point. It's forty to nothing. Right. I mean, it, with ten minutes to go in the fourth, you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, finished history. You know, when Turpin had that seven yard run to make it forty to zip, I think it was about eleven minutes to go. You don't, you don't bring him back out there. In the next possession, you're, you're pulling Daniel Jones. Unless you're just trying to avoid the shutout, which they couldn't do either. Right. I, I mean, that was the only explanation I could come up with. But who cares about that? Daniel Jones, 15 for 28 in terms of passing, 104 yards, a couple interceptions passing. He did have 43 yards on the ground. Dak's numbers don't light the world on fire. You don't need to light the world on fire when your defense looked like that defense looked and like that Cowboys D-line looked with seven sacks. That night coming up next, how much trouble are the Minnesota Vikings in if they start the season? Oh, and two ESPN radio is also on the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith and me, plus many more from the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark. There's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. That is how it sounded on 98 Rock as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Minnesota Vikings 20-17 to in Week 1. A surprising result for most people. The Minnesota Vikings getting ready to face the Philadelphia Eagles tomorrow night. A team that is 1-0, but a team that did not look flawless by any means against the New England Patriots in Week 1. Let's get you ready for this game. Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance. For that, we bring in Star Tribune Vikings reporter Ben Gessling. And Ben, thanks so much for your time. Let's start with what happened there in Week 1. Baker Mayfield, apparently, was able to understand the hand signals that the Vikings were using to call play. We learned after the game, one of his teammates revealed that Baker came in at halftime and said, I got it. I got the hand signals. And boy, did it look like he knew the hand signals for that Vikings defense. Are they doing anything this week to correct that issue? Well, it'll be interesting to see, Amber, how much they were able to change in a short week because this is a defense that's built a lot on checks. I mean, it's it, a lot of what they want to be able to do is adjust on the fly and show one thing and kind of check out of it or check into something else when they see a different look from the offense. So I, I, I'm sure that they have addressed it this week. They've, they haven't gone through a full practice, but they've been through walkthroughs most of this week. So I'm sure they've addressed some of those things. But again, it, in a short week, there's only so much you have time to alter, and you kind of have to go with a lot of what you have. So it's going to be interesting to see if that is an issue. Going forward tomorrow night, it was interesting that Mayfield said that. certainly was more productive in the second half than he was in the first half. And if that was the thing that kind of helped him get there, it will be interesting to see how much the Eagles have picked up on that and whether Jalen Hurts is able to do a lot of the same things tomorrow night. 
Well, you know what? You go back, guessing, you know, 10, 15 years, you know, even 20 years, when college football made the Thursday night game massive, but it was marquee matchups. But they have an extra day to get ready on a short week. The NFL right. saw the popularity of the college game on Thursday and went and go, oh, you know what? We'll take that. Thank you very much. And now here we are with a shorter week for these guys who are actually older. So when you're going on the road after you lose to a team like Tampa Bay, you've got the short week. What have, what have players already, and coaches already told you about what they're having to face this early in the season, meaning week two? Because that ain't easy. No, it's not. And I don't think that was the matchup that they would have most wanted to see on the schedule when you're drawing that up, especially what happened when they went out there for the home opener in Philadelphia last year. At least that one was a Monday night. and They were coming off a win. This on a short week. In a game they kind of need to have after losing the first one. But a lot of the talk this week was just about, hey, we can't do anything about the schedule. We can't do anything about the fact that we're going into a hostile environment. Let's try to embrace it as much as we can and be the team that sort of is able to rise to that moment. I mean, you heard a lot of guys talk. T.J. Hawkinson talked quite a bit about it could be a kind of a galvanizing factor for a lot of players when you feel like everybody's against you and kind of have to just band together and, and – resist the team, resist everything you have being said to you, possibly thrown at you, whatever it happens to be, it can be a thing that brings everybody together. And I think that's kind of what they're leaning on because there's not really much else you can do other than try to make the best of the moment and and rise to the occasion. Ben Gessling, Star Tribune Vikings reporter, joining us here on Amber and Ian. So obviously a a week one result that nobody wanted there in Minnesota, but it was a team that consistently got doubted, even though they had 13 wins last season. Do you think that's helpful, Ben, and them being able to shake this off after week one? How much are they panicking here just one week into the season? Well, I I think, I mean, Kevin O'Connell talks a lot about this, that you know, they talk a lot about culture, and he says the thing that really shows whether it is for real or not is when you get tested, when you lose. Can you keep one loss from turning into two or three? Can you kind of correct without panicking or correct without pointing fingers in a way that becomes destructive? I, I think these types of moments are where they really lean on those things. They did not have a two-game losing streak last year, and, and they had all of those one-score wins, which I think was part of the reason people thought they're not sure if they're for real, but this was not a team that, even when they got blown out in Philadelphia, when they got blown up by Dallas, when they got blown up by Green Bay at the end of the season, none of those losses turned into things that, that pulled them apart. And I think they have banked on a lot of those things, and, and tomorrow is as, as good a test of that as any, because this game that they lost to Tampa was unlike what happened last year in, in the sense that they beat themselves quite a bit with the three turnovers with a couple untimely penalties it was a game they probably should have won. They did not have a lot of those last year where they gave away, and now you're going into a Thursday night game against the defending NFC champs and a night game at home, uh, the home opener for the Eagles. So it is as good of a test of all of these things that they talk about as they've seen, and uh, we'll have a better idea in about 24 hours whether all of these things have come to fruition for them. How do the Vikings view Kirk Cousins? Because a lot of people have the New York Jets making a move for Kirk Cousins. I'm a believer that Zach Wilson, you should ride with him. He was a number two overall pick. Ride with a guy who's been in-house. Why are so many people bringing up the name Kirk Cousins? Well, I'm sure some of that is, I mean, Cousins was talking to the Jets about a contract back in 2018 when he signed with the Vikings. The Jets were kind of the other suitor, so I suppose some of it is coming up for that reason. Robert Saleh, obviously, 
is from the Kyle Shanahan tree, and Nathaniel Hackett runs a system that's very similar to what Kirk Cousins has been in for a lot of his career. So I suppose that's the connection. But there's there's this interesting thing with Cousins because it, there's a lot there's a faction of fans here that kind of want to move on from him, and there's a faction that have said, you know, it's been a long time since we had somebody this durable, this steady at the position, and you start to wonder what life looks like on the other side of that. It, I don't know that there's going to be anything that's going to come to fruition there, in part because Cousins has a no-trade clause, and in part because the salary cap picture would be tough to pull off when the Jets already have Aaron Rodgers on their on their salary cap, and they may need to do some other things. But, yeah, I think that's kind of why people connect the dots, is similar systems and in the past, maybe the negotiations that, the, that Cousins had with the Jets. But I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I think the Vikings will ride with him through this year. And he's a free agent after the year, so you have to figure out what goes beyond 2023 for him. But I would expect that he's going to be here, and, and the quarterback position for the Vikings will probably get worked out after 2023 rather than in the middle of the season. Ben Gessling joining us here on Amber and Ian. And Ben, that's why I had actually thrown out myself the name Kirk Cousins yesterday because he's on an expiring deal. And I thought if you're the Vikings, maybe you'd rather get something back in return for him than letting him walk after the season. It feels like the Vikings are, in fact, going to look maybe to a different Cousins-less era as they move forward here after this season. What do you make just generally of the state of the Vikings? Because I think it's such an interesting team, even beyond Kirk Cousins. It's a 13-win team from last season, and I hear people say that the Minnesota Vikings are going into a quiet rebuild here. Yeah, there is sort of this weird kind of middle ground that they've been in, because on one hand, they win 13 games, but on the other hand, the manner in which they did it and the fact that they had an older roster, it has been a lot of years of kind of trying to run it back and put it together with veteran players. Some of that has kind of come to a head. They've got something like $36 million in dead money, and you have a new regime that hadn't drafted a lot of the veteran players who were here and I think felt like we need to turn this roster over. So there is a lot of this sort of try to do both of these things at the same time because I think – there's a feeling that you need to refresh the roster, you need to get younger, you need to get cheaper. <clears throat> but it's also a team that has Justin Jefferson and has veteran players in a number of spots. And it's an ownership group that tends to like to be competitive. They have not been a team that likes to rebuild. They talk every year about how we expect to be super competitive in the division, we expect to be in the playoffs. So if that is sort of the directive you're getting from ownership, it's, it's hard to tear it all down and start the whole thing over, especially when you have guys like Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins who are at least going to keep you in enough games that you're not going to be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes in all likelihood. You're going to win enough games that you're not going to be there. So it is a, a really interesting situation to cover, a situation to watch, because they are sort of trying to have it both ways. And By their own admission, that's a tough way to, tough way to live. Philadelphia was on the road against New England, had to travel home. You guys were home against – not you guys. The Vikings were home against Tampa. They have to travel over to Philly. So travel is a wash. What kind of game are you expecting tomorrow night in Philadelphia? Well, the thing I think I'm watching with the Vikings is how their offensive line holds up. Garrett Bradbury, their center, won't play because of a back injury. Christian Derrissaw, their, their left tackle, who's turned into one of the better tackles in the league, nursing an ankle injury. He's questionable. I would expect he will play, but – this is an awfully tough pass rush that led the league in sacks last year. Kirk Cousins was hit more than any quarterback in the league. And you have to deal with a new center trying to 
get signals, get protection changes in with that crowd that's probably going to be tuned up for a night game. So that, I think, is the big thing for the Vikings, is can you handle that pass rush? Can you win at the line of scrimmage? If you can, the Eagles have a number of injuries in the secondary as well that the Vikings may be able to take advantage of trying to push the ball downfield. But I think the thing that the Vikings are going to have to do if they have any chance of pulling the upset off is be able to run the ball more effectively than they did last week and keep Kirk Cousins from having to throw under pressure as much as he's had to do for a lot of his time in Minnesota. That's a tall order, and I think it's going to be the big thing they have to figure out if they have a chance of, of winning this one as seven-point underdogs tomorrow night. Star Tribune Vikings reporter Ben Gessling. Ben, thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, how many schools would not fire their head coach right now to hire Deion Sanders. It's oh, a harder list to come up with than you think. We will get into it next. Amber Ian's on ESPN Radio. It has been a heck of a season so far for Coach Prime. And boy, is it early. But it has already paid off for the Colorado Buffaloes making that hire there in Boulder, Colorado. Amber and Ian's on, uh, it's presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can find him at Ian Fitz ESPN. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. We're going to talk about how many schools would be in on the Deion Sanders sweepstakes if there is a future beyond Colorado, which seems highly likely that there is. Before we get to any of that, though, let's get to this. Some more betting advice from Ian Fitzsimmons. Bet till your hands bleed. Again, rare on a Wednesday. Not here tomorrow night. Only Freddie Coleman in for Harry Douglas tomorrow. So we're knocking these bad boys out here in midweek. And this one. You're cheating on me already. I mean, we've been together not even two weeks. Going back to his ex. Really? I know. You really are. We're like one and a half weeks into this relationship, and you're already going back to the ex. It was not my decision. Work wife yelling at me like real life wife. I mean, my gosh. But anyway, here we go. Bet to your hands bleed. Only no, number one reason here. It just stinks. South Alabama, the Jaguars, going to Stillwater to play the Pokes of Oklahoma State. This number is only Oklahoma State minus seven and a half. Give me the Jaguars. Buy it to eight. I'll take South Alabama plus the points. I think the Pokes win but South Alabama covers, and they've got NFL talent. Quarterback Carter Bradley can sling it. they got a wide receiver in Lacey, LaDamian Webb at running back. they got a D-tackle that's going to play on Sundays in Thomas. Their safety, Yam Banks, is a hell of a player. Watch out here, Oklahoma State. I mean, South Alabama, I think, keeps this close. Give me the Jaguars plus the points, seven and a half. Buy it to eight. You might not even have to by Saturday. That's bet to your hands. Bleed. Deion Sanders had a hell of a career in every way. And now he's having a hell of a coaching career as well. He did it at Jackson State. He ends up at Colorado. Colorado matched its win total from last season in the first week of the season. They remain undefeated at 2-0. They are now ranked 18th in the country, according to the AP Top 25. And Deion Sanders, the Colorado Buffaloes head coach, was asked, has he gotten an opportunity to enjoy any of this success so far? I don't have time to enjoy the moment. Sanders don't have time. He got to deliver the gifts. He ain't got time to enjoy his cookies. That's all he gets. I ain't got time for that. I got to keep it going. I got to keep this machine going and uh, make sure we stay on the right path and make sure we're locked in and we're focused on the right things. 
Well, then who is eating the cookies every year in my house when he comes down the chimneys if it's not Santa enjoying the cookies? You know, I feel like the man has some time to enjoy the cookies. The reindeer, they enjoy the carrots and then they keep it moving. Do you leave like with this Cullen, your four year old son, is he leaving like whiskey now out for Santa or is it just the cookies and milk or I mean. We just, yeah, no, just the cookies uh, and some carrots for, for you got to eat the reindeer. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I I imagine Rudolph would prefer some carrots. I'm just telling you that Santa, it's cold. If you want to leave a little brown water out there for him also, I mean, you're you're good to go, you know? (laughs) I mean, a little, you know. It's a good idea. I'll take that. I'll take that under advisement. Those reindeer are so picky with what they eat. I'll tell you what. (laughs) Are they? they? Here's the thing about Dion, and this is an interesting question. And and Gabe Eichert, I was on Big 12 today with with a former All-American Center from Oklahoma on Sirius XM. And he kind of brought this up organically in, in, a, in a break, and, it, and I brought it up to us in our pre-show, and it, it got heated, and it got heated earlier. And you can weigh in at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. I think that you can count the number of college football programs on your two hands. That's it. That would not fire their head coach to get Deion Sanders next year. When you initially threw this out to me in the pre-show, I thought, no, you're crazy. And then we started actually going through them. Who are the schools that would not fire their head coach to get Deion Sanders? And there ain't nearly as many as I thought. So you we got can Georgia. Start going Georgia, obviously, that's, that's an obvious Bama. one. Bama, got- although what's funny is, is a lot of people throw Bama on that list as potential landing spots for Deion Sanders, that's by virtue of Nick Saban's age and yeah. because it appears the dynasty's over. So I think well, people, Okay, be careful on that yeah, one. Yeah, I, 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 walk I, back, I, be careful, be careful. <laughs> I care about you, I know. But it's, it's, the, it's, it's the factor of Nick Saban wanting to walk away in that discussion, not, not Bama. Having, yes, Bama's yeah. clearly never firing Saban to move on to Deion Sanders. So sure, we'll put him on that list. Texas is very happy with Steve Sarkeesian. They won't. As Mike they Norvell, Florida State, they're very happy. What, what a difference a year and a half makes. My goodness. Right, because right. that would be the obvious, obviously, with Dion. Apparently, Dion though, uh, just uh, said that he's not a Seminole. He yeah. said he's because he, he actually graduated from an HBCU. He was very very clear that that didn't sit well with the Knowles. I had that week one against LSU and that, that was still being talked about at a neutral site game in Orlando. So yeah, I mean, I don't even know what to compare that. Like if Emmett Smith or Tim Tebow or any of the Gator greats, they come out and they say, I'm not a Gator. I am. What are we doing? That tastes like vinegar on your palate. But you think about it, it's not many teams. I mean, there's not many institutes. Utah wouldn't because Kyle Whittingham is a legend there. He's been there 19 years. One of the longest tenured head coaches in college football. Michigan and he's won back to back Pac twelve titles. I know you I know you scoffed at me when I brought it up in our pre show. Michigan would not. They're not gonna fire Harbaugh. I mean you could choose to he go back to the He started with the NFL back to back years. It's fine, but they're not gonna fight he might leave, but they're not gonna fire him to do it. So what are we at? Like five or six? USC? No, they're, they're not they're firing Lincoln. Lincoln. Uh, now, now now you're starting to really have to think like all right, right. Now who we else start is struggling. there? I I mean is Ohio is State Ole Ryan Miss firing Day? Lane for Dion? Mm, I'm not so sure about that one. But point is, of 130 plus schools, right? You count on your hands, two hands. Yeah. yeah. The number of schools that would not fire their head coach to bring in Dion Sanders, and I don't think he's leaving Colorado next year. I think he stays there a minimum of two. Shadur Sanders, you know, Travis Hunter's going to be gone after this year. Um, and he's my leading Heisman candidate right now. What uh, year after. is his kid? He is going to be a junior. 
I got to okay. look that so up. So he's still but got eligibility a years wise. I mean, he started both years at, at Jack State. But I think he'll have one more if he wants. I mean, to, to right. go with dad. But that's where it gets interesting. When the moment they hired Deion Sanders, a lot of people, including myself, were saying, phenomenal hire. Enjoy the moment while you have him because after three years, he's going to be going on to a grander stage. I covered Deion when he was with the Dallas Cowboys. And let me tell you right now, this guy loves the grand stage and the bright lights. And he will be moving on at some point from Colorado, whether it's to the National Football League or to a, quote, bigger college football program. But in the moment, everyone looks at all the, 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 the Santa sayings and do you believe in the, the hype machine that he is. Behind the scenes, he's coaching these guys hard. I mean, this is like an 80s and 90s run type football program where the attention to detail is more remarkable. How, these guys, they don't commit penalties, Amber. Right. It's very rare. They are a very well-coached football team. And Sean Lewis was a great hired offensive coordinator. I'm telling you, it's remarkable to think about, but there aren't many college teams that wouldn't punt their head coach to go get primetime tomorrow. That's without taking the money into consideration because obviously there's a lot of college teams that aren't going to be able to afford Deion Sanders and it wouldn't make sense. But just from a desirability perspective, you're absolutely right. He is going to be incredibly coveted whenever he leaves Colorado. And frankly, Colorado knew what they were signing up for. I mean, that's the plan even for them, right? You have him there for a few Great years. Point. You don't care. He's he's supposed to be there to turn the program around. We are two weeks. We are week zero, week one, and week two. So I guess technically three with the way things college does things. Right, So we're two or three weeks, depending how you look at it, into the college football season, and he has already turned that program around. Like That's already a slam dunk hire by that AD. They already got their money's worth. The boosters that donated their money, it all ends up working out for Colorado. Deion Sanders is certainly well on his way to turning around Colorado and being a very coveted piece that we are going to be talking about until the day that he actually commits to going somewhere else.